0: two bible readings today the first one is from matthew chapter 5 verses 1 to 12 now when jesus saw the crowds he went up on a mountainside and sat down his disciples came to him and he began to teach them he said blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And our second reading is uh, Revelations, chapter 2, verses 8 to 11. To the angel of the church in Smyrna write, These are the words of him who is the first and the last, who died and came to life again. I know your afflictions and your poverty, yet you are rich. I know about the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you, and you will suffer persecution for 10 days. Be faithful, even to the point of death, and I will give you life as your victor's crown. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who is victorious will not be hurt at all by the second death. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Father, we know that you are with us. Every time your word is opened, that you have a word for us. Lord, would you build us up? Would you challenge us? Would you comfort us? Would you convict us? Would you send us out for your glory and praise? Show us your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it's great to have you join us as we look at this letter from Jesus to a church that is suffering, suffering for Christ. I hope you know that if you choose to follow Jesus and live for him, there will be opposition. There will be opposition. There will be suffering. Now, don't get me wrong. It is the best life, being a Christian. It is the best life. It is the best decision you will ever make, both in this life and the life to come. But that doesn't mean it's always going to be comfortable. That doesn't mean it's always going to be easy. For those of you who are here this afternoon, and I know there are a few of you, you're not yet a Christian. You're thinking about whether you believe in Jesus, just try to decide whether you, what you think about the Bible and this whole Jesus thing. If I was a used car salesman, I would just talk about all the good things. Uh, but even though there are so many brilliant things following Jesus and it is the best decision you'll ever make and the benefits far, far, far outweigh the costs, it is right to say there is a cost. It will be hard sometimes. And there will sometimes be opposition. It says it as clear as day in 2 Timothy 3. It says, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Not some people, everyone. Do you know that around the world today, there are millions of Christians who are dying for their faith? In fact, more people are dying now for their faith than at any other point in history. Just let that sink in. Pastors being imprisoned or killed for proclaiming the gospel. Young people having to flee from their families because their families have found out they've converted to Christ. Believers who are beaten and tortured and harassed and abused and slandered for Jesus. Church buildings burnt down to the ground. People losing their jobs, being expelled from schools. I can think of Graham Staines. You may know the story, Graham Staines, he was from Australia, went to East India running Christian camps and a leprosy mission. And one night after being at a Christian camp, he was sleeping in his car with his two sons, and a group of militant Hindus came, doused the car in gasoline, set the light. I can think of in 2018, on one Sunday morning alone, three churches in Indonesia were bombed by suicide bombers. Just recently in Bolivia, it's been made illegal to evangelize, to share Jesus with others. And, of course, as Betsy has already shared, many of us have been watching this week what's happening in Ukraine. And so many believers there in Ukraine remember what life was like in the Soviet Union. They know the way Russia has cracked down on evangelical churches. They are now preparing to suffer for their faith in ways they haven't before. Now, here in Sydney, of course, I mean, it's so much better, isn't it? Would we even use the word persecution here in Sydney? I'm not sure. I don't think so. But there is opposition, isn't there? There is opposition for being a Christian. It's been said that up up until about the 1960s, Christianity was really well respected in Australia. So if something happened in current affairs, the Archbishop of Sydney might be asked to make a comment about it in the City Morning Herald. It might not even have anything to do with the church. Very well respected. Then from about the 1960s, the sexual revolution, Christians were respected but kind of weirdos. We didn't have sex before marriage, and we, we thought the Bible taught things that were out of fashion in the day. So Christians were just, just dorks, weirdos, like your Ned Flanders on The Simpsons. But something shifted in about 2010 where Christians were no longer just weirdos but viewed by many people as the enemy, bigots, brainless. There's been a shift. Ridicule in the media, people who are losing their jobs, people who are facing being silenced in the workplace or friends that abandon them for holding to what the Scriptures say. And of course, there's so much that God's church, God's people need to work on to be more loving, to be more accepting, to be more generous and kind. But that's not going to take away the opposition, being loving. Because remember Jesus, the most loving man that ever lived? He was opposed, opposed to death. May I say, perhaps if you haven't faced opposition for Jesus recently, Maybe you haven't been living boldly enough for Christ. So many of us are tempted to be like a chameleon. We want to blend in to the people around us. We don't want to stand up for Jesus too much or make too much of a splash, create too much controversy. You think about when you watch a rugby game and the players at the end of the game, they come off and they're covered in sweat and dirt and blood. And you look at them and you go, well, they've played. If someone walked off in clean clothes, no dirt on them, no sweat, you would think, really? Have you actually been in the game? And so it is with following Jesus. If we're going to live for him faithfully, we should expect opposition if we hold to his word and live for him in all that we do. There is suffering for being a Christian. And on top of that, of course, there's all the suffering that we all experience, everyone experiences, just being a part of this broken world. Grief, cancer, panic attacks, heartbreak, loneliness. It goes on and on and on. Well, the church that we meet here in Smyrna, they're suffering. They're suffering. Smyrna. Uh, you've got to remember, these, these are real places. These places actually existed. At the moment, Smyrna is the modern-day Turkish city of Isma. And some of the ruins of Smyrna are actually there. I've seen photos. You can look it up. Some of the ruins still exist. A beautiful place, a harbor city, the birthplace of Homer, not Homer Simpson, the, the poet, uh, and just uh, big temples. And here's what Jesus says to Smyrna, look at verse 9 of Revelation 2. Verse 9 of Revelation chapter 2. Jesus says, I know your afflictions and your poverty, yet you are rich. I know about the slander of those who say they're Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. See, the church in Smyrna is being afflicted. Being afflicted. Here's what was going on in Smyrna at the time. At the time, the law said that you had to revere Julius Caesar, revere Caesar as God. It was a Roman colony. Uh, You had to make sacrifices to Caesar. You had to worship him. But the Jews, the Jewish religion was protected legally, it was a recognized religion. They didn't have to make those sacrifices, they didn't have to pledge allegiance and praise Caesar. And what was happening was Christianity was growing. It was no longer a small little sect. More and more people were becoming Christians. And the Jews, maybe they felt threatened by the way Christianity was growing. Maybe they were annoyed that Christians weren't following all the Jewish laws that the Jews followed. But what they started to do is they started to dob on the Christians They started to inform the Roman authorities about the Christians, that they weren't weren't worshipping Caesar, weren't, weren't serving Caesar. And so the church in Smyrna was being persecuted, losing jobs, losing homes. Many of them weren't allowed to buy and sell. Think about that. What do you do when you can't buy and sell anything? And many of them actually faced death. The most famous example is the Bishop of Smyrna, Polycarp. He's not a Pokemon. He's a real person, Polycarp. And um, Polycarp, he was asked to renounce his faith in Jesus or be burned at the stake. And his last words, he said, was this, 86 years I've served Christ and he has done me no wrong. How then can I blaspheme my king and my savior? And he was burned to death. Not just that, they face poverty. And Jesus, he says that they're being persecuted by the Jews who are a synagogue of Satan. Now, this isn't being anti Semitic. By calling them a synagogue of Satan, it's saying these Jews were meant to be serving God's purposes. But instead, they're serving Satan. So I hope you know that we're in a spiritual battle. Satan does not want God's church to grow. Satan does not want God's people to keep persevering. He wants them to give up when they're suffering. He wants them to give in. There's a real spiritual battle. That word Satan means accuser. He accuses, you're not really a Christian. God doesn't really love you. Look at the suffering you're going through. You should give up. He's given up on you. But what does Jesus say to this church in Smyrna as they suffer, as they face death? What does Jesus have to say to a suffering church? What does he have to say to you and I this afternoon? Many of us suffering in life. Many of us have had horrible weeks. All of us will suffer. All of us will face opposition. What does Jesus have to say to us? Four things. Four things. The first thing Jesus says to us, I have defeated death. I have defeated death. Have a look at verse 8. Verse 8, to the angel of the church in Smyrna write, These are the words of him who is the first and the last who died and came to life again. See, when you're suffering, what you need is a big picture of Jesus. You need to be reminded about how glorious he is, how incredible he is. Jesus introduces himself as the first and the last. Get your head around that. Jesus has existed before anything else existed and always will exist. He's the A to the Z of your life. You want to discover meaning, purpose, fulfillment, what life is all about? Look to Jesus. He's the one that makes sense of all things. He's the first and the last, the alpha and the omega. He's God. And he's the one who died and came to life again. He died on that cross for you and I, for our sins, but death did not hold him down. He conquered the grave. He rose again. The scoreboard says, death, zero, Jesus, one. And if you trust Jesus, you don't have to fear death. This church in Smyrna who really were facing the prospect of death, they didn't have to fear it because Jesus had conquered it. In fact, look at how the letter ends, verse 11. Look at verse 11. The one who is victorious will not be hurt at all by the second death. All of us will face the first death. All of us will die unless Jesus comes back first. But if we trust Jesus, we don't have to fear a second death because we will enter eternity with Jesus' paradise because he has defeated death once and for all. Everyone fears death, particularly in suffering. But how comforting that this glorious Jesus, the first and the last, he's saying to the church in Smyrna, he's saying to you right now, take heart, I've defeated death. I've conquered. The second thing Jesus says to a suffering church is two words, I know. I know. You know when you tell a friend or a family member about something hard that you're going through and you explain to them your situation and they say to you, oh yeah, I know what you're going through. and They mean well, don't they? They mean well and often they do know but often it's quite annoying when they say that, isn't it? Because you're thinking, well, you don't really know. I didn't need you to say that. But when Jesus says, I know, he really does know. Better than you know, actually. He knows everything about you. And I love it to this church in Smyrna. Jesus doesn't trivialize what they're going through. He doesn't say, harden up, Smyrna. Toughen up. You can do it. Keep going. No, he says, I know. I see. I care. I, I understand. Everything you're going through, I see it, I know. As you suffer for Jesus, your family might betray you, your your friends might abandon you, but Jesus, he knows. He sees it all. He'll never leave you. He cares. And you know how he knows? It's because he's experienced it. He's actually suffered himself. He entered into the mess of our world, suffered a human life, and died a suffering, painful death for you and I. And so you can have confidence when Jesus says, I know he really, really knows and cares and loves you. The third thing Jesus says to a suffering church is you are rich. You are rich. I was watching the news on Friday, and on Friday uh, was the second biggest ever lottery win in Australian history. Second biggest ever. Two people on Friday morning woke up to find out that they had won $63 million. Now, I'm not going to lie. I watched that and I went, hmm, that'd be nice. What would I do with $63 million? And then I read verse 9. You are rich. You are rich. Now, it's not talking about actual money. But what Jesus is saying to us this afternoon is, if you are a Christian, you are a spiritual billionaire. Do you believe that? Ephesians chapter 1 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who's blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. In Jesus, you are a spiritual billionaire. You've been blessed after blessing, after blessing, after blessing. You're forgiven. You're his child. You're saved. You have a future that's secure. You are loved. On and on and on. Now, you may not feel rich. Because we often compare ourselves horizontally. We compare, you know, there's always someone else who has a better car or a better house. But if you look to Jesus, you see you're truly rich. Truly rich. Here's what's crazy He's literally just said, I know your poverty. I know your poverty. And then immediately after, he says, Yet yeah, you were rich. These guys have lost everything, this church in Smyrna. And yet they're still rich. For following Jesus, you may face a huge cost. Family, friends, homes. But you're rich. It's worth it. I've no doubt that in the next five, ten years, persecution will increase here in Sydney. I think there's a high chance that in my lifetime as a pastor... I might face some prison time in my lifetime. I would not be surprised. But whatever we go through, we are rich. And we're especially rich when we suffer. This was incredible. We're especially rich when we suffer. We heard it in Matthew 5, the first Bible reading, blessed are those who are persecuted. And you remember what Jesus said? No one who's left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age, homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and fields, along with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. If you suffer for Jesus, you're rich in this life and the life to come. You do a cost-benefit analysis, the cost may be great, but the benefit, the blessings, the riches in Jesus far, far outweigh the cost, both now and for eternity. So are you ready? you realize you're rich? Fourth thing Jesus says to a suffering church. Firstly, he says, I have defeated death. You don't need to fear. Second thing he says is I know, I know you're suffering. I see it and I understand it. I've experienced it. The third thing he says is you're rich. And the last thing he says, be faithful, be faithful. Have a look at verse 10. Verse 10, do not be afraid of what you're about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you and you will suffer persecution for 10 days Be faithful even to the point of death, and I will give you life as your victor's crown. Jesus says to them, keep going. Keep living for me. Be faithful. Don't be afraid of what you're about to suffer. And he even makes clear to them that it's about to get worse. They've already been suffering. And Jesus says, well, the devil's about to throw you into prison to test you. And that word test comes up over and over again in the Bible. God often tests us. He often tests us to grow us. So get this, every hard thing you go through is an opportunity to be tempted or to grow. Every hard thing you go through is an opportunity to be tempted to abandon God or an opportunity to grow in your faith. So here, yes, the devil is throwing them into prison to test them, and yet we know God is sovereign, the first and the last, sovereign over all things, even this. And it's an opportunity for them to be faithful and to grow. He says they're going to suffer persecution for 10 days. I don't think that's literal 10 days. It's symbolic. It's Jesus saying there's an end date to your suffering. It's not going to go on forever. It may end in a week, it may end in a year, it may end when you die. But I've still got an end date. Paradise, heaven's coming. Your future's secure. I'm holding on to you. And so Jesus says, be faithful. Even to the point of death. Do you love Jesus more than your life? Gee, that's a huge question I've had to wrestle with this week. Because if you do persevere, he promises a reward. The athletes at the time were used to winning a race and they'd get a a wreath on their head, a victor's crown. And the victor's crown they're promised is life, eternal life. And the only person who can give that is the one who defeated death. Jesus persevered to the end. He hung up on that cross, persevered, carried out his father's will to the final moment, dying for you and I. Dietrich Bonhoeffer is another example. A man who was faithful to death and received the crown of life. He was in a concentration camp and he was leading a church service in 1945 in that concentration camp when two men walked in the door Ready to take him to be executed. And he said, This is the end, but for me, the beginning, the beginning of life. So, church, will you keep going? Whatever opposition you face for Jesus, whatever suffering you're going through now, remember. Jesus is the first and the last. He's defeated death. You don't need to fear. Remember, he knows, he sees, he understands, he cares. Remember, you're rich, rich beyond your wildest dreams, spiritual billionaires, and no matter what is taken away from you, you have all those riches in the gospel. And so keep going. Be faithful even to the point of death. Stand up for Jesus, live for him, be faithful, hold true to his word. Because that crown of life is waiting. The wonderful crown of life that Jesus will give to you, to I, on the final day. As he welcomes you into eternity. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for all the blessings we have in Jesus. Forgiveness, hope, certainty, love. We are so rich. Help us to remember that. Thank you most of all that Jesus has conquered the grave. Thank you for the forgiveness we have because he's done that. Thank you that you see our pain, that you've experienced our pain yourself. No other religion has anything like that. That you know, you truly know. And so would you help us to persevere? Would you help us to be faithful? We think of our brothers and sisters around the world right now who cannot meet for church like we are doing this moment. We face death. Christians in Ukraine, Christians around the world, Help them to be faithful. Even to the point of death, help them to remember the riches they have and to experience your peace and your comfort. And Lord, we thank you for the crown of life that awaits us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.